All right, bradcooney.com podcast. Absolutely honored to have in, once again, Congressman Greg Harper. Congressman, thanks for joining us. Hey, Brad, great uh, to be with you again, and always a pleasure to talk to you, and, uh, and once again, lots of stuff going on. Lots of stuff going on, so let's get right into this thing. The first uh, first thing I want to talk to you about, I want to get your thoughts on, on this absolute train wreck um, Obamacare, the rollout, the website's not working, people are having trouble getting through to the 1-800 operators. Give me your thoughts on this whole uh, this whole mess. Well, it's gotten so bad that even Saturday Night Live has done a, a skit on it. So that tells you, you know, you're, you know you're in trouble if Saturday Night Live takes a swipe at you. Uh, and, and you're right, it has, uh, you know, it had three and a half years to get ready for this. And it's an absolute disaster. They spent hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars uh, on uh, for the rollout, and and it's almost like it's uh, it's not designed by the you know the people you would expect that could have designed something like this. And so, not only are people hung up on the site, or they try to call the helpline, uh, it has just been a disaster across the board on trying to get folks in, enrolled. I just saw a story today that Alaska has suspended enrollments after signing up only three people. So, I mean, this is, uh, and you combine this with now, you remember the president said when this was trying to be passed, that if you like your health insurance, you could keep it. Mm -hmm. He continued to say that. Well, they finally admitted that some will lose their current health plans. And some needs to be defined that it's going to be, well, right now, about a million and a half people so far uh, have been uh, told that they're not going to be able to keep their plan. A lot more than have been able to enroll and sign up for Obamacare. So, uh, this story is a long ways from being over. We'll be having a uh, Energy and Commerce full committee uh, hearing on uh, Wednesday of this week, and uh, Secretary Sebelius will be our special guest uh, for that event. And and she's got a lot of explaining to do on behalf of the president, and so I'm I'm uh, very interested to see her take on this and some of her comments uh, we've heard thus far uh, require an additional explanation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not only are we having people that that are, are in extreme frustration trying to sign up for this plan, you have others told they can't keep the policy they've told they were going to be able to keep, and then. Countless stories of sticker shock. Yeah. People that are getting hit with uh, an increase uh, in the premium, and maybe uh, you know, just at a level that it's it, these are these are folks that are not going to be able to afford it. And so, many of, the, of those in the middle class are going to be burdened with uh, with bills that, that they just simply can't pay. You know, you mentioned sticker shock, Congressman. Even Democrat powerhouses in the media like Kirsten Powers um, has gone on on Fox News and said that hers is going up. She had to admit it. She had to admit that hers, her insurance going up. Um, you know, somebody with her income can afford it, but not, you know, the folks, great folks in Mississippi and Louisiana and all across the country, middle class folks, what are they going to do? This, this is going to be, you know, when this web, here, here's the thing. When this website does, if it does get back up and running, the the phase two, like you said, the sticker shocks when they kick in. People are going to realize it's it's a lot more expensive than, than they think. Yeah, yeah. And remember, when we were entering this government shutdown, what we tried to do the weekend before 
was say, just well, just do an individual mandate delay. So do you treat them like you do the business? Mm-hmm. Or, or just delay the whole thing for a year because we had clear signs this thing wasn't ready and, of course, full steam ahead. And now you've got a, a number of Democratic senators that voted for this that are now saying, well, maybe we need to look at delaying this uh, for some, mm-hmm. uh, some time. <laughs> and that some time, of course, would be to get past the 2014 elections. But uh, yeah, who knows what's going to take place on their approach on this, but what's happening uh, is clearly uh, not what was uh, advertised. And uh, mm-hmm. so you remember all the things about how the president said that, you know, this would uh, you would see a decrease in your premium and you'd keep your policy and you'd do all these things and it would uh, increase access to coverage. Well, you, don't, you don't have an increase in access. In fact, it's, you're having a lot of doctors now that are uh, rethinking uh, what they're going to do and, and uh, this is particularly difficult in a lot of our, our rural areas that are already having mm. uh, some, some difficulties. That's one reason we filed last week a bill uh, dealing with te- telemedicine to make sure uh, that uh, doctors could do through technology that we have where some of these routine visits rather than occupying space in an emergency room or requiring a long transport to get uh, uh, to see uh, your physician, you could uh, actually have a, a video conference link with the patient and doctor where they could do some of these routine visits uh, without incurring uh, that additional expense mm. that you might have. Uh, and so, you know, we're trying to look at what we do to address the primary uh, physician shortage that we have. Not only does that include, you know, uh, hopefully trying to figure out a way to increase our number of medical students, but in the meantime, we've got to make sure that people can be taken care of. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you mentioned Sibelius a little while ago, and you guys are going to get an opportunity to, to question her. There's a lot of people calling for her resignation. Do you want to wait, Congressman, to hear what she has to say prior to making um, a comment on whether you think she should resign or not? Yeah, I, you look, and I, I think that uh, we've we've not weighed in uh, on that. We believe that uh, you know you still have to to make sure you have all the facts and all the details sure. there. My guess is, uh, you know, there'll come a point in time where she'll decide uh, this. She may have to decide whether she wants to continue in that role. I mean, that's that's a pretty painful yeah. uh, position to have right now. Uh, I'm not sure I would want it, Brad. No, uh, but, but I want to hear what she's got to say on uh, uh, you know on Wednesday. Right. Uh, you know, I think it's important that as we look at these issues, that uh, we hear uh, every aspect of it. We give her a chance to defend it. Maybe she's going to explain something to us. It's a great revelation. Uh, but it does give us a chance to ask the hard questions, and that's what we really want to do uh, on Wednesday. I think a lot of people want to know where this money went to. Like you said, three and a half years to get this thing up and running. It's a lot of money spent. Also, why go up to Canada and get Canadians to build this website? I mean, I, I, that's another question I have. Why, why not you know, hire an American company to do this? And guys, maybe go after the guys that built Amazon, you know, something we know works. You know, look, this is, you, you can't, you, you can't say, well, uh, we just didn't, the, the system's not working because there's so many people trying to get on it. Well, isn't that the idea that you're right. behind the system? Right. It can handle a flood of uh, requests. I mean, uh, nobody has a problem ordering all the tickets they want on Ticketmaster right. or going to Amazon, like you said, and ordering something. 
there are lots of, of uh, computer and IT gurus that are out there that uh, for a whole lot less money could have built a lot better system that actually worked. But, but look, the system not working is the least important part of Obamacare. Uh, the, the what happens is what's in the meat of Obamacare and how it impacts and hurts this country, hurts, the, right. hurts a lot of families, uh, just really has hurt our employers who don't know what to do, whether, you know, some are just going to, if we've seen uh, some major companies have decided not to offer, uh, you know, health insurance as an employee benefit, pushing them into the exchanges. And that's not good for, for the employees. It's not good for business. Right. Uh, that's not what was, uh, I don't think that's what was intended, although we know this administration would probably love to push to a single-payer system. Uh, we've got a lot of work to do, and uh, the, the price of Obamacare uh, and, and what it cost us is uh, just really beginning to be understood. And, you know, we've got, now that we've, uh, you know, of course, making sure we didn't default on our debt was a really uh, important thing. Yeah. We've got to get down to the serious business of we can't spend money we don't have. At some point, uh, you know, I would love to see a constitutional amendment at some point that required uh, us to have a balanced budget. Uh, but it's it's hard to do that and get that accomplished in a divided government. But I know in my home state of Mississippi, guess what? We balance the budget. It may be painful sometimes, but we manage to live within our means. Right. I don't think it's in a burden to say we would expect our federal government to do the, the same thing. But as we go into uh, what will be a budget conference, I, I am very pleased that one of those conferees is uh, Mississippi uh, Senator Roger Wicker. Yeah, great. Who will do a, a, a great job in that role, and it gives Mississippi a voice at the table. And for your listeners that hear the buzzing in the background, uh, they just called for uh, votes, and we'll be heading uh, out of the office in a few minutes uh, uh, to go vote. So uh, uh, in case you get some inquiry, Brad, about what that alarm that was oh, okay. that went off. But I, but I am excited uh, knowing uh, Senator Roger Wicker's uh, commitment to Mississippi and uh, for what uh, things that we're trying to do, the fact that he's a conferee uh, tells you uh, the level of influence I believe that we're seeing him have uh, over in the Senate, and uh, and I'm, I'm glad that he'll be there representing our interests. Yeah, I am too. Now, um, a couple things, and I'll let you go because I know you're up against some time. Um, you did vote yes for the for the to get the government back up and running again. I'm guessing at some point, you know, you had no choice because people had to get back to work, and um, Republicans did what they had to do. Um, they tried to send a lot of bills to fund the government piece by piece, but you know, Harry Reid wasn't having that. Um, explain to the to the voters. I'm guessing I already explained why you why you why you voted yes. But in your words, well, go ahead and explain why you voted yes. And, and look, and, and true, it did end the shutdown. But my my concern was this, Brad. I we wanted to make sure we did not default on right. the debt. That is a completely different animal than the shutdown. The shutdown, to be quite honest, 16 days uh, probably only impacted about. 15% of our total budget. I mean, it was not, uh, it, it wasn't that uh, significant uh, in the total scheme. But the problem was, had we defaulted on the debt, it would have started us on the road to some situations that would not have been good for us. Now, would we have had, uh, would we have defaulted on the debt on October 17th? Probably not. But, but it would 
appearance and that perception to the markets, uh, to uh, investors, uh, it certainly would have been the beginning of an increase in interest rates. Uh, it would have uh, then caused us to start paying more for those interest payments on our debt, which could have been catastrophic for us on the markets. Uh, and and people that I trust, uh, people I talked to, uh, Mississippi, Mississippian that was on the uh, Federal Reserve Board, uh, those um, those could have triggered a worldwide uh, recession, or perhaps uh, perhaps a worldwide depression. Mm. And you can't take that kind of chance. Now, here's what we did. We we all want to remember this. We don't like Obamacare. We voted now more than 40 times to to either defund it, repeal it, uh, amend it, try to make it less painful. Whatever we could do to attack it, we'll continue to do that. But this was about strategy. This was a strategy. Unfortunately, it, it, it probably hurt us in a number of ways, uh, because uh, the Republican Party took quite a hit uh, on this, on uh, the favorability ratings. But it also, here's what was what I didn't like about it. Uh, well, obviously, I didn't care for the fact that I had to go down there and help uh, get Mississippi World War II veterans into our World War II. Yeah, that, that, I, I, was gonna, I, I want to touch on that, because that's next. That. Yeah. But, uh, but what it did was we sort of, in a way, became a Hurricane Sandy for the president on the rollout of Obamacare. They got 16 days of cover where they didn't have to address the issues. Now the news is finally in full mode on talking about this. Uh, and, and look, I, there, it's going to be hard to, to say that the administration didn't know that millions of people would lose their coverage. And so we took the focus off of the problem, which was Obamacare, uh, during that 16 days, we, we made some points. We tried. We showed that we were willing to work, even if it was piecemeal. If there was a problem, let's make sure we don't hurt these folks. We did it on the pay for those that were military and active duty. Uh, we took care of other things, trying to help the veterans. Some of the stuff, though, that Harry Reid wouldn't even consider that would have helped. And so their approach in the administration has been to inflict as much pain as they could in the shutdown and to try to blame it with their goal is to try to uh, try to flip the House in uh, the 2014 elections. And, of course, Republicans' uh, hopes are to flip the Senate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, if look, if it wasn't for the Republicans in the House acting as a firewall right now, uh, I don't know what we would do as a country. And, you know, we've had, this is the first time since the Korean War that overall federal spending has decreased two consecutive years. And uh, and so, look, those are things we're not going to let up. We're not going to give up. Uh, we know Obamacare is a disaster. We need to just kind of get out of the way and and let it uh, let everybody see the implosion mm-hmm. that's going on right now. I was going to ask you that, Congressman. Is it is it maybe best that at this point let this thing go, let this train wreck, um, let it wreck, and then in 2014. Maybe by then people will, you know, the, the sticker shock will really be kicking in, and it may actually turn out to be a plus for the Republicans. Yeah, and, and there, there's certainly an argument for that, Brad. My my deal on supporting one of the many bills that we did during that 16 days, one was uh, was as simple as is just delay the individual mandate, like you did the employer mandate for mm-hmm. a year, and and so you could say well, let's do nothing and let it implode. But if I can do anything that helps anybody avoid the horrible 
consequences of Obamacare. I want to try to help where we can. But ultimately, you have to win elections in order to, to ultimately turn this thing around. Okay, last thing I got for you. You mentioned about the Mississippi World War II veterans, Vietnam veterans that were, were turned away up there. That was pretty crazy because it costs more money for the for the administration to guard these things than it would be in their open air monuments. It's not like it's not like it costs money to let veterans go. Um, give me your thoughts on that. It was really very good of you also to be up there, uh, ironically for Mississippi veterans too. Yeah, and look, it was, uh, and, and I will say this: Stephen Plaza was there. Sure uh, was. Alan Nunley was there. I was there. Roger Wicker was there, uh, and you're you're right. It cost, it has to have cost more to erect barricades yeah. and have guards than it would to have whatever your normal you know attendance would have been from park services. But this happened uh, all over the place. But to be there, man, to see those Mississippi World War II veterans, it's something I'll always treasure. You know, my my late father was a gunner on a B seventeen in World War Two, and uh, you know I. I only wish that he could have seen that memorial. Mm. Uh, my mom has seen it. Uh, and look, it's an outdoor venue, but this is the administration's approach. Let's inflict as much pain for to gain as much political advantage as we can. Remember, this is the same president that doesn't allow White House tours because of sequester, yet they do other events that cost taxpayer money. So, I mean, you know, this is... This is what we're dealing with, and uh, and we're going to continue that fight, Brad, and, and make sure that uh, you know we ultimately prevail for the American people. Right across the street, uh, Nancy Pelosi was right out there marching with some Muslim protesters, um, and across the street, the World War II veterans couldn't get in to see the memorial. So that was that was a pretty bad yeah, deal. Yeah, there's there's a double standard that goes on uh, up here that you see uh, a lot of times, Brad. But uh, but I, I I want folks to know that. Regardless of the strategy, the goal is the same here, and that is to end uh, Obamacare uh, and to also make sure that we start living within our means. And the only way we're going to do that is if we start dealing with the mandatory or entitlement spending. We can argue all day long about 15% of the government or the fact that Congress only controls about 38% of the actual spending because everything else is already you know, etched in stone as mandatory spending. And so we've got to we've got to realize that uh, our our society, they, people like you know my mom's eighty nine, uh, people like Medicare, they like Social Security, but if we don't make some adjustments, uh, then guess what? It won't be available for future generations. So mm. these are things that we just have to have the will and the the willpower to know that uh, we've got to do this, and our country is going to be uh, better off, uh, and and we're going to have to. Get, we're going to have to address these. We can't continue to kick the can down the road. Last thing I got, anything you want to talk about as far as any projects you're working on for Mississippi? Anything I missed? Well, we're obviously the uh, the telemedicine deal is uh, is very important, energy and commerce. We all continue to work on uh, trying to get an explanation from the president on why uh, he can't go ahead and approve the Keystone XL pipeline. Uh, and, and we know that... Uh, uh, that Obamacare is going to continue to stay in our focus as we we work to, to end that uh, uh, very horrific law. Congressman, thank you so much for joining us, and I look forward to having you back on soon. 